Hello, and welcome to Plot Trust. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Once Upon a Winter's Eve by Tessa Dare. This is published in 2011 and is the one and a half entry in the Spindle Cove series. I think this is the last Spindle Cove book we have to review. I know. I think it's the last one. I'm not sure why we waited until the very end. Well, because it's Christmas time. Because this is a Christmas novella and we hadn't finished reading Spindle Cove yet last Christmas. So that, that explains it. Uh, so, as we just said, this is part of our Christmas novella bonanza. <laughs> so, happy holidays to you and yours. Uh, <laughs> so, the book jacket. Some wallflowers bloom at night. Violet is a quiet girl. She speaks six languages, but seldom raises her voice. The gentlemen aren't beating down her door. Until the night of the Spindle Cove Christmas Ball, when a mysterious stranger crashes into the ballroom and collapses at Violet's feet. He's wet, chilled, bleeding, and speaking in an unfamiliar tongue. Only Violet understands him, and she knows he's not what he seems. She has one night to draw forth the secrets of this dangerously handsome rogue. Is he a smuggler? A fugitive? An enemy spy? She needs answers by sunrise, but her captive would rather seduce than confess. To learn his secrets, Violet must reveal hers and open herself to adventure, passion, and the unthinkable. Love. Uh, I am disappointed in this book jacket. Tessa Dare usually does a much better job. So that's all I can say, honestly. There are several, several layers of complaint for me. First... Don't even think I realized it was a Christmas ball, if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> That's how little attention is paid to this <laughs> Second of all, as everyone in Spindle Cove, just like everyone else in Spindle Cove, Violet came to Spindle Cove for a reason. In her case, it was to get away from the concept of the man she calls the disappointment. Mm-hmm. And the thing that Violet is not sure about, about this handsome stranger, is whether or not he is that guy. Failing to mention that in this jacket is a giant, like, disappointment to me. Yeah, I agree. I I really think it should have been more of a, you know, Violet came to Smilico to escape the disappointment, and then this happened, but... A man who looks just like him arrived. What could his secrets be? I don't know. Something yeah. something more than this. This is... And then funny and charming like Tessa Dare usually is in her jackets. What happened? What drunk ferret wrote this? I, I don't know. I don't know who wrote this. This is really weird. It's just... It's it's fine. It's fine for a generic romance novel. Tessa Dare is just usually like the gold standard. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, spoiler alert for a novel that a novella, I should say that I think meets like a pretty high gold standard for a a novella. The the jacket is very disappointing. Yes. So as usual, Meg and I generated a random number and wrote our own summaries. And this week, the random number was 15. I'll start. So here's my 15 word summary. A farmer's tan and a twice-broken nose will make you unrecognizable to your loved ones. Meg just got at the thing I hated the most about (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be spoiling 
sort of, but not really this this novella. So I don't know. My summary just spoiled it. So sorry, guys. Yeah, to be fair, there's several layers of mystery. The first layer is, is he the guy from her past? As Meg spoils, yes. He is. But the second layer is, is he working for the French? Is he working for the English? Why is he in Spindle Cove? Is, are his feelings for her legitimate? And all of that is the real conflict. Mm-hmm. And we won't spoil that for you other than saying <laughs> they end up together. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my 15-word summary. When her absconded lover shows up speaking Breton, Violet demonstrates the virtues of Spindle Cove. Uh, I actually really like your summary. <laughs> so it's not funny, but it's accurate. And I think it's like the best parts of this series in some ways are the love stories. It's not Spindle Cove. But the concept of this commune of badass women who like teach each other how to actually do useful stuff. He shows up in the middle of the night expecting this neighbor girl. Yes. Who he abandoned. And instead he finds this woman who's like, you can borrow my gun. We're yes. going to go on the run. I'm going to get you back to the cove. Like, she leads him on this adventure, and it's just clearly not what he was expecting, and it's so much fun. I loved it. I really loved it. I have to admit, that was, it was amazing. It was really good. So, some tropes. He's the one who, the one who got away, but before he got away, he betrayed you. Right, and he betrayed her by sexing and disappearing. Yeah, like, very caddish behavior. Yeah. Especially because it was sort of out of nowhere. Like, it's not like he'd been slowly seducing her for months. And then, like, the night after she gave in, he was gone. Which would have been Kaddish, too. But, like, they'd just been friends. And she mm-hmm. had no idea he even noticed her as more than a friend. Mm-hmm. He pulled her up to her room, his room during a ball one night. Confessed his feelings in that he was attracted to her. And slept with her all in one go. And then disappeared the next day. Like, the she next was, day. Like, no idea what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't written? Nothing. Nothing. I mean... He, from his family. he left a 26-word note being, like, gone to the East Indies. Bye. Mm-hmm. Catch up later. I don't know when. Yeah, like, you know for a fact this note did not have... If it had been written in 2020, it would not have had proper punctuation. It, was a, it would have been a text. A text right. message with a smiley emoji at the end. You know... Like, hey, girl, crossing over international waters, no more texts will come through later. Not even later, just like TTYL smile. Yeah. Ew, gross. That's what this was. Like, and now it's like hitting home. We're like, ew. Yeah, so he he, uh, left, and she actually ran to Spindle Cove because she was like, shit. Well, she's also like, "Mm, am I pregnant? Right, like, I have given up on the man who was the only person I ever really wanted because he just bounced on me. And also, like, we had unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. There, There's some kind of spying going on in this book. Yeah, he's a spy for somebody. Someone. So, spoiler alert. He's a spy with trope, scars. Yes. Is Lane attracted to him? Question mark. Answer. Yes. Wait, what's the, what is that? Answer. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, and it's it's like the the trope is, um, you know, when she was with him before, he was like a lean aristocrat, and now he's like muscular because he's been doing farm work. Which, but hilariously, it has been one year. <laughs> hey, you can bulk up in a year, Lane. 
bulk up, become completely unrecognizable, do whatever, it's fine. Like I said, tan, broken nose, couple of scars, no one will know you. Legit. Mm-hmm. Um, we said that she had a childhood crush. She had a childhood crush on him for forever. Forever. And he noticed her much later. I mean, do I hate this? No. Romancing Mr. Bridgerton is my favorite of the Bridgertons. Like, I, I like this trope. I don't, I don't dislike it when it's done well. And uh, it's done pretty well here. And just because of the timing of this, if you're wondering if we'll be doing something, something for the Bridgerton TV show, we will. <laughs> we will. Um, so his reasoning for bouncing on her and for involving himself in the nefarious activities he is involved in is to avenge his brother. Yeah. So. Or so, the thing. Does that justify his, like, reckless behavior and enlistment? Yes, it does. Does that um, justify his inability to pick up a pen? No, it does not. Mm-mm. Agreed. Agreed. Now, here's the thing. She speaks a million languages, and so does he. So this dude shows up in the middle of the, of the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's just talking to this other language. And I don't know. Do you think it means something? Yeah. So this is kind of a trope, like, whether it's the coded letters that only they can read, or in their case, it's not a code, but it's them speaking in obscure third languages. They speak to each other in a way that only they can understand. Yeah. And then this stranger shows up. Basically pulling the same stunt. Yes. So, getting into the book, did I have an issue with him sexing her and leaving? Did I have an issue with him, you know, not writing her books? No, my issue is, these are, like, two people. The two people in England who apparently can speak 50 million languages perfectly like native speakers grew up together and live next to each other. That's just not, that just doesn't happen, Lane. Like, people don't speak other languages perfectly. They just don't. Right. So there's a difference between people who have a natural aptitude for languages and can pick up one very, very quickly. But there is a difference between being able to be understood and being able to comprehend what's happening around you and passing for a native. Yes. And this book does not make that distinction. <laughs> nope. Well, it, it makes the point where they're going to be totally fine passing as French. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, very unlikely. Very unlikely. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. It's fine. To be honest, though, the whole book happens in England, and that's their happy ever after, and I wasn't questioning anything at that point. <laughs> I mean, I, I just accepted it, but I was like, this is even more of a fantasy than the hot sex they have. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, so uh, was the setup for this novella perfect? I think it was kind of perfect, actually. Um, she's at a ball. She's at a ball thinking about the ball where this guy her you know her great disappointment walked up to her and asked her to dance when what happens a guy 
bursts into the ballroom and makes his way straight to her and falls in at her feet. Could it be the same guy? I don't know. I, I don't know. I read the book. I, I At first I was like, yeah, I liked it. And then I thought about it a little more. And it's something that I feel like didn't strike me as I was reading it. But when I was thinking about it later, I was like, wait a minute. Like, that was a really good move, Tessa. Well, it was also great because it's bookended. So the night of this ball where he stumbles in in Spindle Cove is her last night in Spindle Cove. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to go back to society. Her family's not going to let her hide away anymore. They don't know she was ruined. Right. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting that, like, of course, on the night she's leaving town, she's thinking about what drove her to it. Of course. So it wasn't, like, Tessa Dare is so brilliant. I'm not saying she's always subtle, and sometimes I love the ways Tessa Dare is not subtle, but yeah. I think it's really fitting and, like, organic that she'd be thinking about him right now. It made so much sense. And then the fact that the timing wasn't a coincidence makes it even better. Yeah. Without getting too spoilery. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that the novella itself was a little bit... There was a lot that happened in this novella. Yeah. A lot that happens. Um, Like Lane said at the beginning... They see each other, she figures out it's him, but then she doesn't know whether to trust him or not. Plus, he just left her after they had eggs, and like all this stuff happened. And so she basically takes him on this wild adventure around town. Yeah. Um, so it, like, bounces from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next. Um, but before he leaves town, do they have time to fuck Lane? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it, she said, he says, where are you taking me? And she says, I'm not, I'm just taking you. <laughs> I love that line so much. It's, I mean, it's, it's look, it's good. Yeah, um, that part is great. So I, I don't know. I, I think it was a. I go back and forth. Like I think it was a good novella. I think it was good. Do I think it was like one of her greatest and best? It's no Beauty in the Black. <laughs> no, it's like nothing can be though. Nothing can be Beauty and the Blacksmith. But it can come close. Yeah, I, I, I also fall sort of in the middle on this one because her not recognizing him is too ridiculous for me. Mm-hmm. And he shows up, spoiler alert, with sort of the sole intention of explaining himself to her. Mm-hmm. And just doesn't do it. For several chapters yeah so like escalate the dramatic tension but it just ended up frustrating me that said it's very hot and it's very fun and I had a really good time reading it like I found the setup from like in terms of the initial moments great I found the overall plot frustrating but I ultimately think this is really fun and really readable so like okay yeah, yeah, I, that's how I feel. I have very mixed feelings towards it, because on the one hand, I'm like, eh, not the best. On the other hand, I'm like, well, it is a novella to dare, so I loved it. Yeah, and, like, what's done well here is done very well. I think a lot more legwork would have had to be done to make me understand that she didn't recognize the man she's been obsessing over her whole life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess there's a lot, like, she wasn't expecting him to be there, and... He had changed a little bit, but and at the same time, 
I think you would probably recognize him. And I think he would probably want to explain to her what was happening a little sooner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was that was part of it, too. Yeah. Like, the combination of the way they interacted with each other for the first half of the novella. If it hadn't been so darn hot. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Um, were you offended by this novel? Oh, so most of the novella is the two of them alone. Yeah. Trying, her with her trying to suss out if he's him and what he knows. And then him trying to seduce her rather than explaining what's actually happening. So there's very little that happens in this book to be offended by. Like, he's a cad who's apologizing. The only... There's so few scenes where they even interact with other people after the introduction that it's it's very limited. That said, there is once. That is just trigger warningable. Mm-hmm. And it's she's sexually harassed by a different character. It was a little bit thrown in. It didn't feel super necessary. That mm-hmm. said, it doesn't get very far. It's just a couple of gross comments. Yeah. So. And I will say that I, I liked at the very end how they dealt with it. Yeah, the resolution of it was funny enough that I'm totally fine with it. It's like terrible, but I'm like, okay, it was funny enough that I'll give it a pass. It's terrible, but it's Especially because, like I said, he was never, nothing happened. He just said some gross stuff. Yeah. Agreed. Um, that said, this book is uh, very sexy. Extremely sexy. Yeah. It it forces you to put on your, like, I'm just going to go along for the ride hat. It does. Because, like, she thinks, she's not sure who he is. Regardless of who he is, she thinks he's a spy and she doesn't know for what side. He's desperate not to be seen. And the amount of pawing at one another they manage to do, you're just like, do I think they'd be worried about this at this moment? No, I do not. Do I care? Also, no, I do not. Very true. So, I mean, and there's also this time crunch, you know. It's like in movies where the, the bomb is counting down and then, you know, it's at 10 seconds and there's 20 seconds of someone's face trying to undo it and then they mm-hmm. pan back and there's only five seconds that have gone by or whatever. That's what it feels like in here because they're like, okay, we got to do this. And they're like, but let's go back to my room first, you know. <laughs> but again, did I dislike that? No, I did not. Correct. So, I mean, this is the Tessadair is very sexy. There. We said yeah. it. We liked it. So, uh, rate me some candy canes, Lane. So, it's hard. Because, like I said, nominally it's Christmas fall. I totally forgot that. It's winter. They're, like, running through the snow and all that's great. Um, he does say Merry Christmas to her. That's what the first phrase he is saying in Breton when they stumble into each other. It's low, unfortunately. This is not a rating of the quality of the novella. This is, if I'm looking for the equivalent of a made-for-TV Christmas movie, is this what I pick up? Sadly, this is going to have to get four out of ten here. It's got, it's got some nominal Christmas, and it's got winter. But it doesn't even try very hard to be a Christmas novella. No. No, it doesn't. This is, it doesn't even, it does not try very hard at all. I mean, honestly, it'd be a three if it weren't Tessa there. I'm giving her an extra point on overall quality of novella. 
<laughs> like, to me, if I'm going to pick up a novella for being Christmas, I need, like, seven out of ten minimum. We're yeah. Doing- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you ha- it has to be good for other reasons. Exactly. So, this is a novella I would reread. Yes. This is not a novella I would read when I am seeking a Christmas novella. Yes. I could read this any time of the year and be just as satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I so think like, I'm not trying to criticize the novella. I'm just being yeah. honest when I say it should be three candy canes. I'm getting it for because Tessa Dara stuff there. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks for tuning in with us for our bonanza and also for listening just in general. We really appreciate it. And we wish you and yours a very happy holidays. <laughs>